Okay, so we already begin this week's Parsha, Parsha's, um, Parsha's Yisrael. And uh, this evening I'd like to talk about three topics, three different halachic questions. First halachic question is um, whether or not if one accompanies somebody who's sick to the hospital um, on Shabbos, whether or not they're allowed to travel in a taxi back home. That's question number one. Question number two is, that I'd like to deal with this evening, mm. is whether one is allowed to get on a train or a bus on Shabbos. On Shabbos? On Shabbos, whether one is allowed to travel on a train or a bus to come to shul. Question number three that I'd like to deal with is a situation of what happens if there is conflict in the family, a family feud about keeping Shabbos. A specific example, a specific case we're going to talk about is the case where the parents threaten to take their child out of yeshiva, out of rabbinical school, if he uh, does not travel with them on Shabbos in a car um, on family trips. So basically, the relation, the, these three questions are related in the fact that they're talking about driving on Shabbos which relates to the uh, specific category of work of on Shabbos, which is burning, Mavir, which is mentioned in the Mishnah on page 73a in, in uh, Tractate Shabbos. And the reason why we're going to talk about these subjects this evening is because this week's Pasha, this week's Pasha is Pasha's Yisrael. Pasha's Yisrael, the Aser Sadibus, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Statements, one of the Ten Statements is, or a few of the Ten Statements are, is the Mitzvah of Shabbos. And one of these questions is directly answered from the psukim, from the verses of this week's Pasha. We gave a similar class last night in, in Phoenix, specifically relating to the, the mechanics, literally the mechanics of driving a car, and what's the pro- pro- prohibition of driving a car. So, <coughs> but we'll briefly mention perhaps the, uh, the ideas involved in the, uh, in, in, in the prohibition of driving a car on Shabbos, and uh, we're going to specifically talk about these issues. And just to, I want to preface that we are here just to study. We are here to, start, to study to learn, to become perhaps familiar with some of the issues that are being dealt with by the modern-day post the modern-day rabbis in the application of the oral and written law, and also the uh, rabbis of yesteryear in the time of the Talmud and how they dealt with these, with, with these issues. But since we're talking about this evening halacha, since we're talking about Jewish law relating to these issues, even the slightest nuance can change the question that we're going to present. And the slightest nuance can change the question and subsequently change the answer to the question. And therefore, if a specific situation might come up, and a specific question might come up, even though we might think that we have learned that the principle here, she wants you to always consult uh, their rabbi, uh, just to make sure that uh, that their situation is applicable to the laws that we're going to discuss. Okay, so the first question that we're going to deal with this evening is, um, is uh, let me just say a word about Shabbos. So the word about Shabbos is, as we said uh, yesterday evening, um, the Torah says that we should remember the Shabbos, it says the Torah, that we should remember Shabbos, because in the six days Hashem created the heaven and the earth, and the everything in everything in it, and Hashem rested on the seventh day, therefore He blessed the Shabbos and sanctified it. So the Ramban explains here, Nachman explains here, that 
the reason why we keep the Shabbos is for the testimony to, our, to ourselves that God is the creator of the universe, that he is the creator of the universe, actually Hilo, that he's in control of the universe, and that he's involved with the universe and the people uh, that, that live in it. And so Shabbos is that testimony, because on the seventh day, after that creation, Hashem rested. That's why we keep the Shabbos. Even though we have sporadic mitzvot, which remind us of the creation, such as eating pot, uh, matzah on Pesach, sitting in the Sukkot, Sukkot, and all these type of things, uh, and, and we put the mezuzah also on our door, filling on our heads, and tzitzis we wear on our body, Hashem commanded us to keep the Shabbos every single week, so there should be a continual testimony to the creation of the universe. Okay, that's the idea behind Shabbos. And the 39 categories of work is the expression of our fear of Hashem. It is the expression of our, of our, of our heeding to His Word to make sure that, that we emulate His rest from the creation of the universe. And one of those 39 categories of work is burning. Okay, and that's the topic that basically is the so the foundation of our discussion this evening, even though it's going to manifest itself in three different questions in halacha. Okay? Fine. So the first question that we're going to deal with is a question dealt with the uh, response that called the Shalas Vichuvas Nishma Shabbos. The Nishma Shabbos in volume number five, which is written by Rabbi Yisrael David Herbenes. Um, he also here he listed that he's written another five different forum on five different subjects. And so he has, he has volumes on the laws of Shabbos. So in, in volume number five, question number 16, he has the following question. He asks, he was asked that if somebody accompanied, person was sick, they were sick, or either, either their, their sickness required them to, uh, to be in bed, to lie down because they were so sick or because they were in danger to life. So their sickness required them that they should go to the hospital. However, they needed a company. They needed somebody to go and company with them. So there's a person that came and accompanied them. Whether it was a family member, it was not a family member, it was a, ma- a, a stranger, and they went with them to the hospital. Now the treatment is over, or the treatment is in the middle, and the person, the, uh, the escort is no longer needed. He wants to know if that person can go back on Shabbos with a taxi, with a non-Jewish taxi, they can go back on Shabbos to, to their house. That was the question that Nishmas Shabbos was asked. Okay, so he says like this. You see, this is a very interesting, interesting responder. Um, he says the following ideas. He says that why would somebody want to go home? Why would somebody want to go home from the hospital? If they're in the hospital, Abe, and they want to go home, they have nothing to do in the hospital. Why should they want to go home on Shabbos? She says the reason why they want to go home is because there's no chalent. There's no chalent, there's no food, there's no challah, there's no wine to make kiddush. So what are they going to do the whole Shabbos? And all they have is mechanics, mechanics for dummies, magazine. What is it called, the mechanics or whatever? Oh, sorry, he deals with that later in the tshuva. But right, so maybe he wants to be with his family. Well, maybe he wants to be with his family. Yeah, or he wants to be with his family. So he says, as far as the food is concerned, he doesn't have food, he should try to get some. Right. Maybe there's other sick people he can mooch from, food. Maybe he can get some food, maybe get some wine, some, uh, some challah, from the, uh, maybe other gidden in the hospital. Maybe he's not the only gidden in the hospital. 
What do you want to see then? We're not talking about the patient. For some reason, the patient disappeared. We're talking about the company, the escort. So the escort wants to go back. Well, isn't there a logic? Why? Isn't there a logic? The patient is going home. That's a given. Right? He's going home. The patient, no, the patient, we don't know. We don't know about the patient. We don't know about the patient staying in the hospital. The patient was admitted to the hospital and staying in the hospital for monitoring reasons, for treatment. We're talking about the escort. We're talking about the escort. What did the escort want? No, what did the escort want to do? The escort wants to ask a non-Jew to take him in the car on Shabbos. That's what they want. So he says that the food issue is not enough of a reason. First of all, you can ask for the food. You can ask for the food back from somebody else. And he says, what's the, what's, the pro- what's the problem? We have like this. The problem is, the problem is, is that we're asking a non-Jew to do one of the categories of work for us because to drive a car on Shabbos is, comb- is you're burning gas. Basically, the bottom line is, aside from all other things, you're burning gas. That's mafia. So we're asking a non-Jew to burn gas, to create combustion, to do a malacha, to do one of the categories of work for us. One is not allowed to ask that if it's just for a mitzvah. If it's just for a mitzvah, for Kiddush and, and Chala, that's not enough of a good reason to ask a non-Jew to, to do a malacha, to do a category of work. That's what he says. This, not only is it one category, but it's a, a thousands. For every revolution of the engine and every piston, it's one separate category of work. Because there's a separate gas release that is burning by the spark in the, in the combustion of the engine, in the, in the combustion of the gas. So there's thousands of categories of work that we're asking the non-Jew to do for us for, the, for, for a mitzvah. That's not permissible just for a mitzvah. That's what he says. Now, um, this is the, there is a position in the Rishonim. There's a position in the rabbis that holds this way. He holds that it's permissible but we don't pass it this way. We just, it's not, the halacha is not that way. So let's review the halacha a little bit, and then we'll see, perhaps maybe we'll see what we're, we're talking about, what, what, is his, what his issue is. And then we'll discuss some of the other factors that are involved in making our decision, what should we do. So the halacha is found in, the halacha is found in 276, Reisha involved, number two, in, in the laws of Shabbos, in the, in the, uh, the Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Law. So the Korvus is like this. If you have a, 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 a Jew and, non, and uh, you have and Jews and non-Jews that are sitting together at a table. And it's dark. And it's dark. So the non-Jew goes and he turns on the light. Turns on the light for everybody sitting at the table. So now it depends. If it's most of the people sitting around the table are Jewish, then one is not allowed to one is not allowed to derive pleasure from that light. Because obviously he did it, he lit it for the Jews. If most of the people sitting around the table are not Jewish, then you're allowed to sit by the light, because obviously he did it for the non-Jews. Says the Shukhanach, if it's half and half, half Jews, half non-Jews, we have a question, therefore we're going to be stringent and not use the light. Okay? That's what he says. Unless it's clear that he turned on the light for himself. 
if it's somehow clear from the situation, you know, he makes a declaration that he needs to read the newspaper, and he's turning on the light for himself, not for the people around, then you can use the light because he's not doing it for everybody else. But he's doing it for himself. He has to be doing it for himself. Why does he, why does it have to be he's doing it for himself? What? Maybe he likes to die. Maybe he likes to die. And isn't he allowed to do it so long as he is not asked to do something? No, he's not allowed to do it. Even if he doesn't, even nobody asks him. If you see, if nobody asks him and he turns on the light and he can't do it. If he can't, right, if he can't see. But if he, if he can't see, but if he, if he's doing it for himself. But if it's not, if it's not clear that he's doing it for himself, then, uh, then, then, then the assumption has to be made that he's doing it for everybody else also. And that's a problem. We've had occasions, you know, where things are off in shul here, and you try to find the, the... So that's different, because if you're doing it for the public, the Mishnah Brura says here, if you're doing it for the public, that's permissible. Because it's for the public, for a mitzvah, you're allowed to do it. Mishnah Brura, I think, number 25, on this, on this sif, he says that if it's for the public, if it's in a shul situation, he doesn't specifically talk about the case of the shul, but if it's a shul situation, then you're allowed to. But for individuals or for an individual group, it's not allowed to. Anyway, that's what the that's what the the principle here is: is that a non-Jew is not allowed to do a category of work for a Jew. He's not allowed to light a light for the Jew. That's prohibited. And if he does, the Jew is not allowed to use that light. Okay. Says so Rabbi Moshe. So what? That answers the previous question for about going home in the taxi cab. Oh, so going home in the taxi cab. One second. That is that is Rabbi Yosef Karo. That's Rabbi Yosef Karo. So now we have Rabbi Yosef Karo. Now we have Rabbi Moshe. So this, this is what he says. There are those that say, says Rabbi Moshe. Says there are those that say that for Suda Shabbos, let's say it's 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 Friday night, that we're all sitting at a at a meal. Through the Shabbos is a mitzvah. The meal, Shabbos meal is a mitzvah. So there are those of the opinion that one is allowed to ask a non-Jewish person to light a light for the people eating Shabbos. Why? Because it's for the necessity of doing a mitzvah. Since for necessity doing a mitzvah, that's permissible. That is the position of the book called the Eater. The Baal HaEater, the, the, the writer of the Eater, holds this way. There are those that say this, he holds this position. That for a mitzvah, one is allowed to ask somebody not Jewish to do, to turn on the light for you for a mitzvah. Right? That. So, so the, the Ramos says here that if people do this, one should not protest. One should not protest, right? Uh, if they do it. However, one should be stringent, says the Ramos, and unless it's a tremendous necessity. Tzarech Kodol. So in the, because there's, this is subject to a tremendous disagreement. Says the Ramah like this, says the Ramah like this, that you can ask a non-Jew to turn on the light for if there are two operating reasons that are involved. Number one, it's a mitzvah. Number two, it's a tzarech kodol, it's a tremendous necessity. So if it's just for Suda Shabbos, if it's just for Shabbos, then that's not enough. There has to be something which the rabbis or the rabbi can determine is of tremendous necessity. If it's for tremendous necessity, then it's permissible. So, that's, that, that's what he says. He says that the Shiloh was stringent in this, and uh, however, however, right, we're, we're, we're lenient in such a case. We're lenient in such a case if the, if the situation arises.
if they're back in a small setting, and you got the Gentile person in the room, so he puts on the light, and you got three, four other Jews in the same room, just studying Torah. Not the mitzvah in itself. Right, the mitzvah in itself is not enough. That in itself is not enough. That in itself is not enough, right. That's not good. It has to be a tremendous necessity. And we'll get an idea what a tremendous necessity is from the discussion of this Nishma Shabbos. So it says the Nishma Shabbos, you see, you see that you need two things. You need a mitzvah, a tremendous necessity. There's this person, the escort, who came to the hospital, okay, came to the hospital, but now he has to want to go back. Why does he want to go back? Because it's a mitzvah, presumably. What's the mitzvah? Uh, Chala and the uh, Kiddush and uh, this. That's the mitzvah. But it's not a tremendous necessity. There's no tremendous necessity. There is just a mitzvah. For the mitzvah itself, we're not going to be lenient like the position of the eater. That's what he says. Or we're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get to this. No, no, right, right, right. No, it's a mitzvah. But we're going to see. So necessity has to be in addition to the mitzvah. There has to be a reason. There has to be a compelling reason. Let's say it like this. There has to be a compelling reason besides the mitzvah that makes it necessary for us to ask the non-Jewish person to do the category work for us. That's what he is. That, that's the halacha. No, that's not what the Ramos says. That's not what the Ramos says. That's not what the Ramos says. So he says like this now. He wants to argue. He wants to argue on the Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa. The Shmir, he says that the Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa, if this is the right safer that he's quoting, he says that if a person doesn't have a place, if a person doesn't have a place, so it's like this. Um... If he has no place in the hospital that he can wait until Moshe Shabbos, that in itself is enough of a reason to go back to, the, to, to, to ask a non-Jewish person to drive him. So that's a well, however, if there is, he says, however, if he says there is a waiting room, if there is a waiting room where a person can wait, that in that, then, then he should wait in the waiting room. He should wait in the waiting room because now he has a place. There is no the necessity has been taken away. What? Every hospital has a place for people to wait. So every hospital has a place for people to wait. Why? Of course. Then he can't go. Then he can't go. What? According to what you're saying, he's not allowed to go home. If he has to go outside, if he has to go outside, then then the Shmir says he can go home. But if he has a place to wait, then he really cannot go home because it's for a necessity of a mitzvah. But there's no tremendous, there isn't a compelling reason. Now, he himself, he himself wants to disagree. He, want, he doesn't disagree. Um, he says that itself is not a good enough reason. That, he says like this, this, this he says like this, He says like this, it doesn't appear to me that this is good enough a reason. If there is no place in the hospital. That he can wait there. He doesn't want to be in the city. So he says, because he can find a place to wait. He can wait in the hallway. He, has, he can find a place to wait. And even the Shmir Shabbos himself agrees that if there's a waiting room, certainly he cannot go back. He's only saying if there is no waiting room. But he says the fact there is no waiting room, that's not good enough of a reason. Then he turns around and he says, one second, if you're not going to be in the waiting room, so where are you going to be? Right? He says, where are you going to be? So he says, very interesting, he says, you're going to be in the public waiting room. You're going to be in the public waiting room where they admit the patients. So he says, that is already an uncomfortable situation. 
Because when they're admitting the patients, first of all, you don't know how the sick the patients are. Second of all, you, know, you don't know how your experience is going to be. Who is going to be there? How they're going to be dressed? How they're going to be behaving? What is the situation going to be? And that's an uncomfortable situation to face on Shabbos. That, he himself says, for him, is a compelling reason, in addition to the mitzvah of keeping Shabbos. Okay? He, he quotes an example here about the uh, question about uh, asking somebody not Jewish to bring a chauffeur uh, for them on, on Yontif if they forgot to bring their chauffeur and then you have to ask a Jew to bring it as a proof. And then he says that uh, he quotes a sefer called the Shulchan Ateshitim. He says like this, the Shulchan Ateshitim says that he's going to lose all his pleasure of Shabbos. And if he's going to lose all his pleasure of Shabbos and he decides to ask a Jew to drive him home as a result of that, then it's permissible. Because you're relying on this position of the eater that says that the fact for a reason of a mitzvah, that in itself is enough. Okay? Now, he says there is a little bit of advice. To ask a non-Jew direct to drive them home on Shabbos is, is, is more stringent than to ask a non-Jew to ask a non-Jew to drive them home on Shabbos. So therefore, he says, it's better to have somebody else call the taxi maybe the superintendent or somebody in charge over there to call the taxi and ask them to drive them home instead of him asking the taxi driver direct. Because that is already already one more step removed and that's permissible. That's already rabbinical. So if you have the reason that it's for a mitzvah, if you have the reason that it's for a mitzvah, it is for a compelling reason that you cannot stay in the hospital because it's going to be tremendously uncomfortable. Seven hours you're going to be reading the mechanics weekly. Uh, amongst uh, everybody who's using the place as a clinic, you, you have no private, you have no private waiting room over there, and sometimes there are private rooms. And I've been, I have escorted people to the hospital, and there's a private waiting room. It's only me and the mechanic quickly. So then, and, and then, on, in addition to that, there's the pleasure of Shabbos is going to be completely taken away, and you're going to ask somebody else to ask somebody else to get the taxi, and then it's going to be permissible. You see, it's complicated. In this particular case, but then there's also there's a caveat. It's not over yet. I just want to give an idea of how complex these issues are. Talking about the same taxi, I was told if that taxi was going back to that man's home, wherever he may be, He's not going specifically to take him. He was going there anyway. So he's allowed to go into that cab. I, that's going to be a very difficult determination. To get in a capsi, capsi, taxi that was going there anyway is a very it's difficult. Like a Shabbos elevator. You know where it's going. It's there. not like a Shabbos elevator. A Shabbos elevator is... going there. It's not like a Shabbos elevator. The Shabbos elevator is going up and down. That's what we're going to talk about the train. The train is going on its route. The taxi is not going... It's very difficult to make the argument that the taxi was going there anyway. The taxi is driving the guy in the taxi. And if he wasn't, he would go get himself a beer. It's very hard to make conclusively say the taxi was going there anyway. And I was told just the opposite of what you're saying. Fine. So, we, like, like I said, we're only learning here. We're learning here. We're learning here. I'm happy to face that rabbi. I'm happy to face that rabbi discussion. and I'm happy to be wrong. What the rabbi says, whatever the rabbi says, it's fine with me. Now, this, there is another caveat here that we're talking about, which is not so pertinent, but it's going to come up in a different case that we're going to discuss. The other caveat here is, is that the Shabbos, one is also prohibited to go outside of the city, borders about a half a mile. 
about what is called 2,000 amas. So about 2,000 amas outside of where the city ends, according to halacha, which means that it's, it's not a populated area, just in general, generally speaking, not specifics, it's not a populated area for about a half a mile, one is not allowed to go past that, past that border. So, if the hospital happens to be outside of that area, then one can't go back. Because what happens is now, they're going to have to go back and they're going to have to trespass that fictitious halachic border called the Tchum. And that is not permissible on Shabbos. Because not only are you not asking for somebody, you're not a, you're not, even though you're not driving the car, but you're going to wind up outside of that area. So this is really not pertinent to us in Phoenix because all the Phoenix, all the cities are really connected together. Unless you find a hospital, I heard there was a cancer hospital on, on the 10, that maybe there's no cities in between for a half a mile, so perhaps maybe that's considered outside of the greater halachic city of all the, of all the cities together, Glendale and, and, and Gilbert and, and Mesa and Tempe and, and, and Phoenix and Scottsdale and Paradise Valley. But maybe that hospital, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen that, I don't know where it is exactly. But if you, have, if you go from that, if you go to that hospital, our job is you can't come back from that one specifically because now a person's going to be uh, traversing past the, uh, so to speak, halachic limits of Shabbos that they've established for themselves before Shabbos, called the Tchum. If that's the case, one is not allowed to get into the, into the, regardless of all the reasons that we just gave, one is not allowed to get into the cab to go back. What? No, you can't. It doesn't matter how you travel. It's not a car issue. It's a question of where you are. As soon as Shabbos starts, you establish a certain area where you're allowed to be, and that is in the city that you're in, and a half a mile outside of that city about. And then after that, one is not allowed to travel past that limit, regardless they're walking, taking a bicycle, uh, skate, whatever they're doing, flying, doesn't matter what they do. If they get beamed by Scotty, also it's the same thing. No different. Okay? Now, there's, more, there's a little bit more, a few more details involved in answering this question. And that is, everything that we just said applies to a person who is a family member. I'm escorting to the hospital a family member, a brother, a sister, a mother, a, a, a spouse, a family member. Then you need all of these details in order to make a decision whether or not the escort can go back. However, if it's a stranger that's being escorted, by a friend, then they can for sure go back. Okay? And now the question becomes whether, they, whether the, the, the person who is sick is in, is, in, is in moral danger. Okay? So in that case, perhaps maybe even without those reasons he can go back. Because he'll say, and this is already a sub determination has to be made in every case, but because maybe in that case he'll say, I'm not going to go with him from the beginning because I'm not going to be able to come back. If I go with him now, I'm going to miss the chalet. He's not going to go wind up going with the person who's sick. So therefore, in order that we should, should, the person should not be discouraged from going in the first place, we allow them to come back. That's uh, if he's not, if he accompanies a person that he doesn't know. Anyway. That, that is his response. A lot of triple and double standards here. You know? Triple and double standards. How so? I mean, you're going from the strangers allowed, a family member's not allowed. You know, the, the law seems to fit 
situation. It seems to fit if you're not intimately in what if you're not intimately aware of what the law is. So it seems to fit. Yeah. Well, the, basically, basically the operating principle is that we do everything that's necessary for the sick person, especially if their life is in danger. That's the operating principle, and then the details come out of that. And how do the details come out of that? That's the subject of discussion. But wouldn't the fact that you're helping somebody that is sick and needs to go to the hospital kind of take a priority? What? Well, I don't understand. You brought you brought them to the hospital. You got them to the hospital. You escorted them. You went into the cab. You escorted them to the hospital. Can you drive yourself? No, it's better to ask a non-Jewish person. Okay, so if somebody's taking a taxi or an ambulance, then yeah, it's better to ask a non-Jewish person to drive to the hospital. Especially if a person is not in danger of life, it's better. It's better to do. It's, to be, it's better and preferably not to do it yourself. If there's no other option, maybe, then you could talk. You have to, you have to discuss, you have to decide that. But better to get a non-Jewish person to do it. And that's the case that we're talking about. Driving yourself is a whole separate other discussion on how you're allowed to do it and the details involved and which case and how sick the person has to be. It's a very discussion, a separate discussion in itself. Okay? Fine. This is the Nishma Shabbos. Here's an example of uh, sitting in a car that somebody else is driving on Shabbos. A question in halacha for us to ponder. Next question that I want to deal with is getting on the train. On, uh, getting on a train or a bus on Shabbos. It's a very interesting response here from the Mishpatei Uziel. The Mishpatei Uziel was the uh, Svartic chief rabbi of... Um, the Sephardic chief rabbi in Israel, he passed away in 1954. Passed away in 1954, and he wrote a responsa called the Mishpatei Uziel. And in this responsa, um, in this responsa, in volume Orachayim, number number eight, I think it's. Um, I forget which volume of his response, and maybe volume number one. He say he has the he has this question on whether one is allowed to be on a a steam train or an electric train on Shabbos. Whether one is allowed to board such a thing. Very interesting. So he says like this, and this question obviously is pertinent to uh, we, we shall soon see. This this question has already been a very sore topic for many years. It's been a, a, a very sore topic for many years. So he says, says like this, there could be three considerations of why this would be prohibited. First of all, it's quoted in, in Jewish law that one is not allowed to get in a wagon on Shabbos. But the reason why one is not allowed to get in a wagon on Shabbos is because the wagon is being pulled by an animal. And for an animal, we don't allow because one is not allowed, the one might, think, might uh, pull a twig off a tree, which is prohibited, of detaching something from its life source on Shabbos. And therefore, they're not allowed to go on a wagon because they might do that. But however, here, by the train, that's not a consideration, getting on a train on Shabbos, because the train doesn't have an animal pulling it. It's being pulled by steam, by the power of the steam and electricity. That itself is not a consideration. Another consideration, he says, is that, that we're going to ask... Um, we're going to... The other consideration, he says... 
Right, so first of all, right, these animals, there's no animals involved, so that's not a, that's not a question at all. Now, perhaps maybe you'll tell me that they're going outside of the borders that one is allowed to go on Shabbos, like we just discussed. So he said, that's also not a question, because by a train, if you take a look on a train or a bus, they have a certain route. And the route is always within the city. As if you're going to interstate train, uh, you're going on a bus, you're going on Greyhound, or you're going on Amtrak, or these type of things. Okay, so that's not. But a, a train that has a route that's local, so there's no problem getting on that train and being afraid that it's going to travel outside of the borders that one sets for themselves in Shabbos Tukhom, because that's not an issue at all. That itself is not an issue. Because the, the route is set, and the route is not going to go. Now also, the other issue is, is you're asking a non-Jewish person, and this is Abe, okay, you're asking a non-Jewish person to operate the train for you. You're asking a non-Jewish person to operate the train for you. So he says, that's not a consideration, because you're not asking the non-Jewish person to operate the train for you. Because no matter what you do, you get on a train, you don't get on a train, it's going to do its route. You get on the bus, you don't get on the bus, it's also going to do its route. So therefore, said, it's not a problem at all. You're not asking him. So all these three considerations are not an issue at all whatsoever. All right, one step, one step, one step at a time, one step at a time. One step at a time. So he says, there's one issue he says is like this. Um, well, one issue he says is perhaps maybe you'll tell me so that's as far as the strict halakha is concerned. However, maybe you'll tell me that the Rambam says like this. The Rambam in his laws of Shabbos, in number, chapter number 21, number, number 1, says like this. It says in the Torah, Tishpur, you shall rest. Even those things that are not actual categories of works is the Rambam. And there are many things that the rabbis prohibited because of we, they wanted us to rest on Shabbos. Some of them are prohibited because they're similar to the categories of work, and some of them are prohibited as a, as a decree. And so therefore they're prohibited. In other words, they're not really prohibited by the Torah as one of the categories of work, but because of the spirit of Shabbos, that one should rest on Shabbos, they're prohibited. says here the Magid Mishnah was the commentary, and the Ram says that the, that the Ramban in the Torah also says the same thing. As the Mishpatei Uzziel quotes them separately, the Ramban is in, in Leviticus chapter 23, verse number 24. He says the same thing also. So perhaps maybe you'll tell me that getting on a train is an issue, getting on a train is an issue of the spirit of Shabbos. It's not really, you're not really resting on Shabbos. Because that, that, that's, that's not what the Torah had in mind when it commanded us to sanctify the Shabbos. So perhaps maybe we could say because of this Rambam it's prohibited. That's what he says. Then he says, he quotes a Chassam Sofer the, um, that talks about this issue. And he says, the Chassam Sofer says that one should not get on the train for the following reason. He says, they should not get on the train because the train moves around and it's uncomfortable and it takes a person to the place of business and that is not Shabbos. So the Mishpatei Rezil says that if that's the case, today when you're going on a short trip, on the train, and it is comfortable, and it doesn't shake you around, then it should not be a problem also, according to this Kusam Sofa. And the person is not going to their place of business. They're going to, they're going to, uh, wherever they're going, they're going to shul. Right? So, unbelievably, the Mishpat Ozeel, at the end of the tshuva, says that it's permissible. He says that it's permissible to get on the train on Shabbos, or on the bus. Giving the, giving the following conditions. This is what he says. He has 
two, he has two, diff- two choices here. At the end of the two, he says, this is the Moscona Rodina, this is the final conclusion after our discussion, for the Din. It is prohibited to travel on an electric car, car or wagon or train or steam that is of all Jews. In other words, that all Jews are, it, it's in a Jewish neighborhood, and only Jews are getting on the train. Because it's clear that the bus driver, the train driver, is doing it for the Jews. And that, we said already, is not permissible. It is not permissible, he says, to travel. So that means that, 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 means that if one is traveling in a, in a city where it's not Jewishly populated, and the majority, as we said before, are not Jewish, this is not a consideration. It is, it is prohibited... To get on a train, also in Torah, Bekarnas Eila, Afilu, Imeim, Shel, Lo Yehudim, even if it's not Jews, or Misnah goes Aidei, Lo Yehudim, and it's driven by non Jews, Imeim, Ochus, Vishal, Smokam, Shish, Bo Yishav Yehudi. If it goes through a Jewish neighborhood, even if it's non Jews on the train, and it's being operated by non Jews, that's also prohibited. Why? Because, Shivadai, Hu, Shal, Lo Yehudim, Machavim, Siyosir, Zois, because his intent is for Jews. Because since he's going through a Jewish neighborhood, the Jews are getting on. However, in a place where there's no Jews, and we're talking about the majority no Jews, therefore a person will have to get on the train that, 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 of the non-Jew. On the condition so that they don't have to, uh, on the condition that the bus is free. If it's free, then you could. Because if it's not free, how are you going to pay for it? You can't pay on job. It's not allowed to pay. And, even if you're not paying, you're only allowed to get on a train if you're going to shul. But if you're going on a trip, or for business, it's prohibited. Okay, so virtually, even though he says it's permissible, the case doesn't work out because it's only going to be permissible if it doesn't. The train does not go through a Jewish neighborhood. It is not operated by Jews or for Jews, and you're not paying, and you're only doing it to go to shul. What if the train was there before the Jewish neighborhood and they didn't know? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a fact. What now? What's now? This is according to the Mishpat Yuzil. We are, we, are, we are studying now. We're studying now. This is only according to the Mishpat Yuzil. This is not necessarily his moment of halachic practice. That's what he holds. Now. What? If the train is going, he's not going specifically for this individual... It's, going anyway. it's not going for a specific reason. Right. He's not allowed to go on air. Right. For all those reasons you just Right, exactly. I'm glad I have a topic. What? <laughs> really? That is a lot of topics. The Mishpatu Zio, the chief, the late chief rabbi, will be the most lenient you're going to find. I found you a lenient response, and this is, this is the parameters which you're allowed to. Even though it's not a consideration that, that the route that he's taking, yeah? But he still can't drive the train. He can't operate the train for the Jew. The same way he can't turn the light on for the Jew. How are you going to explain that? 
issue. But it's not Torah specifically for the Jew. A Gentile can get on a plane. The, the, determining, the determining factor of whether he's doing it for the Jew or not, according to Mishpat Uzil, is on whether or not it goes through a Jewish neighborhood or most of the travelers are Jews. If those two factors are operative, then he's doing it for the Jew according to Aloha. And therefore he can't do it. You have no way out. Good you're not asking him to go specifically anywhere. And all the considerations that we said, but still it has to, all those considerations. Theoretically speaking, you're, you're allowed to get on that train. What about for Mar Because, you know, if you do it knowing the Hawaka and somebody else watches you do it, they might not understand the law and start doing it when it's inappropriate. All uh, right, so that, 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 has to be, that, that has to be discussed with the rabbi. And also, I don't know why the Mishpat ignores the fact, this Rambam and the Ramban that he quotes, that says, not Shabbat Dik. Perhaps maybe he understands that for doing it for the reason of a mitzvah, it's permissible. Now, there is, I found, uh, somebody put a poster on the internet today on one of the uh, um, email groups that I'm a part of, a, a responder from a conservative rabbi, who quotes the Mishpat in support of the fact that it's prohibited to travel on Shabbos on a train. <laughs> okay? <laughs> on pace. This conservative rabbi, I have the tshuva, I have the response from this conservative rabbi, it's on page 56, 165 of this unknown book. But I'm going to read you a little bit of it to see what he says. This is the first of two sets of responses on the questions of, of writing on Shabbos. The response in principle below is the collective effort of the men who prepared it for the approval of the law committee of the rabbinical assembly, whatever that is. It secured the support of the majority of the law committee and it was subsequently presented at the convention of the rabbinical assembly in 1950. Four years before, it doesn't say that, four years before the, uh, the chief rabbi passed away. The Sephardic chief rabbi. However, in conformity with the policy of the assembly not to give approval to legal provisions which have not been... Uh, which have not been, I can't read the next word, approved by the law committee, unanimously approved by the law committee, it was not voted upon. It also remains as the opinion of the government, but has no official status. At the same convention, a series of papers were presented as majority reports. Okay, so this was presented to the assembly of the conservative rabbinic rabbis, but they didn't vote upon it because there wasn't a unanimous vote. There wasn't a unanimous uh, support for this, uh, for this chuba for this response, okay? So here, this, this uh, rabbi, um, this rabbi here in this response wants to disagree with the opinion of the rabbis that say that it's permissible to travel on Shabbos on, 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 in a car or to get on the train. He says that the, the reason why they say it's permissible, this is the three rabbis that said they are permissible made the following argument. It's a very interesting thing that they made this argument. It's a very interesting argument. They say like this. The combustion of gasoline to produce power is a type of work that is obviously could not have been prohibited before its invention. <laughs> the rest. That's a good point. All acts of burning are prohibited only when performed for specifically described purposes such as cooking, eating, lighting, or in need of its ashes. They're saying that they, what do we derive the categories of work from... Building. From the building of the Mishkan. Thank you, Bam, right, for the building of the Mishkan. And the building of the Mishkan, they cooked, they heated, they lighted, but they didn't do combustion. So burning for the sake of power was not included on this list. The combustion of gas in the carburetor is therefore the type of work classed as Malachashin Trikhalagufa, it's something which is not necessary for it itself. This was their argument. 
So he disagrees with this vehemently. Absolutely. He says, in short, this whole line of reasoning is unacceptable because it violates the two cardinal principles of all reasoning. The principle of contradiction and the principle of sufficient reason. The position of the three rabbis contradicts itself on the one hand by calling for the development of Jewish law and on the other hand by presenting a standard that would make the definition of work dependent on conditions in the time of Moses. As their position is based on insufficient use of sources in that they present a minority interpretation of a minority opinion. Okay, that's his disagreement. And he basically says, what are you talking about? When you step on the gas, you're burning gas to create power. You're burning the gas direct. That's burning. What else? That's a category of work. And then at the end of the article, he says, in practice, I have come to the following conclusions. One, driving an automobile is prohibited according to the scriptural law in derived sense, if not in an original sense. Two, riding on a public conveyance, and he quotes the Mishpateh Uziel to support his, uh, his idea, because he says the Mishpateh Uziel uh, wrote another letter saying that he definitely uh, is against it even though in the, in the response that we read, it seems like he's a little bit lenient. Writing on a public conveyance where no other preparations are necessary and in a non-Jewish area is almost too remote a possibility to rule on. Moreover, because of the tension and anxiety involved in any vehicular travel today, such travel is inconsistent with the spirit of the law. Rambam and Rambanda recorded. The whole institution of Shvut, uh, which is rabbinical private activities on Shabbos, is the practical outcome of speculating on a deeper meaning of the Shabbos. And three, if, an observe, if, a, if a Jewish person says, I need to come to Shul, Rabbi, observing Jews should be warned on the prohibition of travel on the Shabbos, even in order to attend the synagogue service. This is very from conservative rabbi. Non-observing Jews should be dealt with more cautiously, lest their contact with the synagogue be severed, and they be further alienated from the Torah. So there's some, some different strokes for different folks. But basically, he uses the Mishpateh Uziel to say that it is prohibited to get on the train on Shabbos. Now, what happened after that, I don't know, because I don't study the, uh, I, I, don't, I don't follow with the, uh, I, I know that one of my uh, neighbors wrote an article about, or, or, or pointed me once to an article that was written by the conservative movement, that since they permitted the, uh, the driving on Shabbos, so what happened was is that there was no more community, there's no, no, no more neighborhood. It destroyed the community shul, because if you have a community shul, they were bemoaning the fact that people were living, that were not living together in one community. Okay, anyway, that's that. Electric cars. Electric cars. Uh, electric cars also prohibited, because uh, but how are you going to, how does it work? You have to p- complete a circuit. You have to complete a, uh, electricity, there's a dispute, and uh, according to one opinion, electricity is either building, which is one of the categories of work, or it's fire again. Some hold that it's, it's, it's mafia, it's burning which is a difficult position to take, but uh, nonetheless, everybody agrees that electricity is prohibited. Some, some posts can even say that you could use electricity, you could use an electric menorah, you could use an electric, uh, or for Shabbos lift, or for Havdola. We've discussed, these, we've discussed this in the past. Hanukkah, you can use. For, so they, they hold electricity is really fire. So that to, 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 to operate an electrical vehicle, to complete circuits, um, is also prohibited. That's one of the reasons why a car is an issue because when one starts an ignition, when one starts the ignition in a car, so they're completing a circuit. The first thing is they complete a circuit which creates uh, electricity that goes to the spark plug and creates a spark that's burning. One and final last question that we're going to deal with is, is this question that was asked 
in in the sefer called Vayervna. It was basically a dispute. As a as a child, that there was it was going to yeshiva from a non-religious home, and his father said to him, "It's time for to go out for a Shabbos trip to where where we're, we're going," you know. And the son said, "I'm not getting in the car because it's it's not permissible for you to drive the car." So the father said, "If you don't get in the car, I'm going to take you out of the yeshiva." So the the rabbi of this child went to came to Rabbi Tzvi and he asked him, "What should we do? What should we do?" What should we tell the child? Should we tell the child he's not by mitzvah? Should we tell the child to get in the car, so stay in yeshiva, and then in the end he's going to become religious? Or should we tell the child, tell the father you can't get in the car? So take out yeshiva, take him out of yeshiva. What are you going to do? That was the question. So this, the father, this is the answer. First of all, he said it's prohibited for somebody to get in the car. One of the reasons he gave is, which we discussed, and we said in the Mishpat Erzil, and it says it also in the Bir Halacha, in the laws of Shabbos, in the court of law number 404, starting with the word Ve'ain, he says there that because if one is going to go outside of the outside of the borders of the city, one is not going to get into a car, or it, what is actually talking about a train there also. The, the Bir Halacha is talking about getting on a train, a steam, a steam train. He says it's prohibited because of that reason, and because of all the other reasons we just saw before, which he himself does not mention. So therefore, to get into a car, and have somebody drive somebody else, unless it's for their considerations of sick person, like we've mentioned before, to get into a car and have somebody drive somebody else, that's not permissible. So what should we tell the child? He says, he says, if we tell the child that it's permissible, we're not allowed to do that. Because we can't tell the child, we can't give the child something which is prohibited right, uh, to do. Because we're commanded to make sure that the child keeps Shabbos. As it says in our parsha, it says, The seventh day will be the Shabbos Hashem your God. Don't do any work. After you, and your son, and your daughter. Says Rashi, You and your daughter, Elak Tarim, these are the children. Shabbos, 121a. And it's, it's codified in the code of law, in the laws of Shabbos, in uh, uh, Shem Amidala, 334, number 25. If you take a look there, that one is not allowed to ask a child to put out a fire. Because we're not allowed to ask them to do something prohibited. Our child has to rest on Shabbos also. That's the mitzvah. So therefore, therefore we have to tell the child the truth. We have to tell the child the truth that it's prohibited from to get in the car. Now, how does he handle the situation with his father? So he says like this, very interesting. He says, you can't make a business with mitzvahs. You can't say, you can't say that we're going to sacrifice the mitzvah of Shabbos for the mitzvah studying of Torah. Because we don't have a right to do that. We don't have a right to make a business, to make a decision that one mitzvah, mitzvah A, is better than mitzvah B. We'll sacrifice mitzvah B for mitzvah A. Because we're supposed to deal with whatever the commandments come in front of us and make a decision on those commands right now. Can we tell the child to get on this car? No. I, he's going to benefit with doing another mitzvah. So we can't do anything about that. And then he says, one second then, then he says that if the father tries to force him to get into the car, obviously he shouldn't fight it because it's not going to work anyway. Instead he should cry to his father and ask him and Hashem eventually will help that he should be successful. What do you want to ask them? 
this into practicalities, because you have to honor your mother and father, and since the child is not a majority of the bar mitzvah, it was his obligation at that age, because he's not bar mitzvah yet, his obligation at that age be primarily to honor his mother and father. No, so the, you want, we spoke about this once before. If the parents, this is clear from Parshas Kedoshim, if the parents ask, one is obligated to honor his father's mother, but if the parents ask, him to transgress the Torah, then the father is obligated in the mitzvah to keep to, to, to honor God. To transgress the Torah is to say not to honor God, and both the father and the son are obligated in the honor of God. And so therefore, if the father says transgress the Torah, the son doesn't have to listen, because he's not really listening to his father, because by listening to his father, he's not listening to Hashem. So therefore, therefore he doesn't have to listen to his father in that case. And we can't tell him to listen to his father, even though the father thinks it's okay. How likely is it that somebody who's going to take the time to put their son in yeshiva is going to sit there and say something like that? I'm not sure. Oh, you'd be surprised. I wasn't surprised. Oh, how likely? No, the situation was saying. Let me describe the situation. The situation was it was a city, a, 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 a city in Israel in Chulon, in Chulon. And what happens is, is you have like a kollel. You have rabbis going around. They come up to the children of the parents and say, "Listen, we want to teach your child a little Torah, extracurricular activity. Let them learn a little Torah." So they say, "Fine." So they start teaching the child with an agenda. They, wanna, they want the child to become religious and more committed. And then the child all of a sudden says, I want to keep Shabbos. And the parents say, oh, it's good. We wanted him to learn a little Parsons Bereshit. We wanted him to learn a little bit about Shalua Chakam. That was very nice. But now he's going to come tell me uh, that I can't watch TV. That's, that, that's it. It's over. Well, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's a normal And then what happens is the son says, the son, the son or the daughter says, uh, you have to have a kosher kitchen. Mm-hmm. And the parents say, no way. Mm-hmm. Kosher kitchen? What are you kidding? Mm-hmm. We send him for a little yeshiva. Now he wants to make uh, this, make our life difficult. What, we were born yesterday? Happens all the time. And so now the question is, what should a child do? So we have a mitzvah to make sure that the child keeps Shabbos. So we can't tell the child it's okay. Basically, the operating principle, if the adult can't do it, how are you going to tell the child that it's okay? The adult can't get in the car like we saw. Maybe on a train. Maybe on a train. Given all the conditions, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. But, but, but he can't get in the car, Lemaise, in the end. Because if he gets in the car, then his father, who's Jewish, is going to transgress the Shabbos for him to take him on vacation. That he can't get in the car for. Anyway, these are some of the ideas I want to discuss. Application of Jewish law in the modern context. But again, like I said, there are so many details that are involved. Each case is different. So if somebody's going to escort uh, somebody to the hospital or, or have an issue of family feud, or or the other case, or uh, want to come to shul by uh, getting on a bus, uh, all of these situations have to be dealt with on an individual basis, obviously. And we're just talking in... A, in, a, in um, in a learning, studying context. Tell me about okay. the Shabbos elevator. The, the Shabbos elevator is going to take another hour, and now it's time for my <laughs> Okay, a good Shabbos, thank you. <laughs>